0: Death happens every 24 hours. 150,000 people die each day. It usually comes without warning. It's the greatest fear that people have. Many have various theories of what happens following it and why. However, what does the Bible say about this
1: ultimate question? Hello? Hello, anybody home? I'm think I think! I'm thinking. I'm thinking. What were you thinking? I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Don't say anything now. Just think about it. You're listening to Stop and Think About It, a podcast for the Christian thinker. In a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment. <laughs> And the church is becoming increasingly anti-intellectual. This podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop and think about it.
0: Greetings friends and foes, saints and sinners. Welcome to another episode of the Stop and Think About It podcast. The Bible is clear that each one of us will enter a reality that is far beyond anything we could imagine. Now, Glenn, it's a common saying that only two things are sure in life, death and taxes. Does anyone ever avoid taxes?
2: No. No one avoids taxes. I mean, we try – Considering it's tax time now, I think it's, it's on the forefront of everyone's mind. But whether it's sales tax, whether it's through a relative, everyone somehow contributes in that way, whether they want to or not. No.
0: And so do good moral people experience something different from bad immoral people? Do those of different religious persuasions have afterlives that coincide with their particular belief? In other words, do they get to kind of self-identify what they believe and boom, that's what's supposed to happen? And depending on their beliefs, people give different answers to these questions. For instance, a Buddhist would answer this question very differently than a Mormon. A professing atheist wouldn't answer this question the same way as a theist. Even a Roman Catholic would not respond the same way as a Christian. Now, what do you think that is, Glenn?
2: I I think it's basically because it's it's the great mystery, right? And everyone's just trying to make sense of it because it's something that we all face.
0: I don't know if you ever recall or heard of the analogy or the fable of six blind men and the elephant. Does that ring a bell at all?
2: I know about the elephant in the room. Is that the largest person in the room? or <laughs> <laughs> It's usually me, but uh, oh. yes, I'm familiar with that, with that analogy.
0: All right. Let me just shoot for our listeners. In the children's book, The Blind Men and the Elephant, Lillian Quigley retells the ancient fable of six blind men who visit the palace of Raj and encounter an elephant for the first time. As each touches the animal with his hands, he announces his discovery. The first blind man puts his hands out, touch the side of the elephant. How smooth! An elephant is like a wall! The second man put out his hand and touched the trunk of the elephant. How round an elephant is like a snake. The third blind man put his hand out and touched the tusk of the elephant. How sharp an elephant is like a spear. The fourth blind man put his hand out and touched the leg of an elephant. How tall an elephant is like a tree. And the fifth blind man reached out his hand and touched the ear of the elephant. How wide an elephant is like a fan. And the sixth blind man put his hand out and touched the tail of the elephant- how thin an elephant is like a rope how does this argument that they're putting forth from this um this fable how does this kind of connect with what we're just talking about how people have many different beliefs
2: yeah i think it's 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 the same thing we we're just discussing that we're trying to make sense of this Impending doom that we're all going to face. The most important thing is that they're not speaking together, right? Each one is getting one part of the equation and then trying to come up with a whole. I think we all do that, right? We don't know this mystery of death and what it means. And so we try to make up our own interpretation. So that's relative. It's not objective. It's not something where we're actually having facts that we're going based off of.
0: Yeah. And there's one person, uh, that actually knows the truth of what's happening here. Do you know who that one person
2: is? Uh, is it the elephant? <laughs>
0: no, it's the storyteller.
2: Oh, so the okay, analogy, makes
0: sense. Yeah, the analogy is so bad, but no doubt you're going to come across it, or at least the concept of it depends upon what you believe.
2: Now, now so, can I redeem myself? Or, are you going to say that the storyteller is God?
0: <laughs> well... He's the one that has the right perspective and he's got the clearest perspective and he's the one that gives us his perspective, which is actually truth, not just his perspective, that is his divine idea.
2: But it's the truth. Sure wish we had like a book or a collection of books that could tell us what he what he thinks about that.
0: Yeah, it would surely be helpful if God just gave us some kind of document that we could look into instead of everybody just guessing and coming up with all these different ideas. Is there such a book or a document?
2: <laughs> well, 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 and I think that's interesting, right? So we're, we're making this case that... Um, it's not all roads lead, right? It's, it's not, well, that sounds like a good idea. Death could be like that. We're basically saying there's an objective truth. This is what death is. This is how it's supposed to go. And, and I can't imagine there's some people who are very upset about that. How can you be so confident?
0: Yeah, I mean, imagine you're speeding down the highway at 95 miles an hour. You see a car with Christmas lights, but it's not December 25th. And the song is not Silent Night. You pull over and the police says, sir, I clocked you going 95 minute 55. Can you turn around and say, that's true for you, but it's not true for me. Uh, well, I that mean, works, that gonna right? work? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I,
2: You know, I, I'm going to try that. Well, not the speeding part, but the pulled over part. I'm going to try that.
0: All right, you try that. Let me know how that works out for you. And if you get one quarter to use, I don't know, did they let you use cell phones now to dial your uh, your one phone call?
2: I might have to write an email or something.
0: <laughs> there you go. So, I mean, Technically, you could say that, but it would be utterly foolish to do so. When he hands you the ticket, he's going to say, all right, you might believe what you want to believe, but uh, make sure you pay the fine for violating the law. And like you said, that's relativism. And how would you really define relativism? Well,
2: I, just to keep it very simple, it's just this idea that all truths, all, everyone has an aspect of the truth, and there's nothing that so, – so if you believe something, well, I have to accept that you believe it. You know, I have to accept that it's true for you and that no one really has a a, a monopoly on the truth. It's kind of that's the way they look at it. And so if you believe the elephant is smooth and you believe he's rough, well, that's, you know, that's true for you. And who am I to to, uh, kind of uh, go against your experience?
0: Yeah. Well, how would that work on a math test?
2: Well, the way that they're teaching people now, <laughs> <laughs> I <think> it works just <laughs> fine. Yeah, I think. But then... yeah, but but but, but in an old fashioned math test, it's either four, it's not. You know, it's either the solve the algebraic equation or it doesn't solve the algebraic equation. But now we're doing metaphysics. We're doing, uh, you know, what 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 I feel or what what my family has felt, and yeah. it's it's kind of uh, unsettling, especially since the atheist belief, the scientific belief is that show me, prove it to me. And now we're kind of like in this region where I thought it was religious, where it's everyone's feelings is, is, is valid.
0: Right, right. So really, relativism, it sounds like, is something that is uh, connected and subject to the person who holds a view, and therefore they believe it, then we have to just agree with them that that's true for them, but that's not our truth. But well, then we're not really dealing with truth. We're just dealing with opinions. Like if I said vanilla is the right ice cream. I mean, you could just drive a truck through that, preferably an ice cream truck.
2: Once again, not to, not to, to be a Mr. Obvious or Captain Obvious, but wouldn't it be interesting if there was someone who died and rose again who might be able to tell us what, what, what that experience is like?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have, we,
2: we have all these different religions and groups all these beliefs of people who actually don't know anything about death.
0: Yeah, and that's the unique thing in Christianity. We have a risen Savior, and all the other groups, they have just dead gurus and prophets and and would-be soothsayers and seers, but none of them have risen from the
2: grave. Uh, You know, but, but I think, look, I think that one of the things that stop and think about it tries to address is well, let's stop let's think about it let's let's address it i'm not going to just say okay all these other views are wrong and we're right it, it kind of the same kind of relativism is the same kind of discounting I, I think it's important for us to try to figure out what what they do believe and to show how it kind of doesn't make sense sure um so phil w- w- like what what are some of these beliefs
0: well i mean we have many different views and i agree with you we can't just say well because I'm a Christian, um, all other views are wrong just because I say that they're wrong. We, we can't go there. But when you look at some of these other religious views as relates to death, if we look at something like, let's say, reincarnation and karma, um, there's major problems there because I'm always asking questions such as, okay, um, who's, who's dealing out the cards in this?
2: Well, 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 before we get started on that, well, reincarnation, which mean, is, means that it's the rebirth of the soul in a new body. So it's kind yes. of the first thing we're saying is, well, we never really die. You know, nothing is destroyed. Everything is just reused. And so where, do our, where does our soul go? Not to an eternal resting place, but it's just recycled into a new being. Well, that's reincarnation. That's the first thing, right? And then karma. Yes. Phil, what, what's karma?
0: Karma is like this force... Uh, Out there that kind of uh, when somebody says, oh, if you do bad, bad will kind of boomerang back to you. And if you do good, it will kind of boomerang back to you. Uh, If you've ever watched Star Wars, the idea of the force, uh, you know, may the force be with you, all of that stuff. It's all based on Hinduism and Buddhism and this idea of reincarnation. So the old adage, what goes around comes around. If you do bad, it's going to swing back your way. But I mean, again, it just begs the question: Who is swinging bad your way if you do bad? And then the bigger question is, who's deciding what is good and what is bad? Right, A right, force.
2: Right, and 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 even specifically karma. Like everything you say is correct, but karma, in in, in at least in the case of what we're talking about, is is while you're reincarnated. Are you reincarnated as a slug? Right. Or are you reincarnated as a man? Or are you reincarnated as whatever the highest level of being is? And so, so once again, once again, there is someone deciding that hey, you lived a bad life, so now you're a slug. Right. You're not being punished eternally. You're, there's no real punishment. You just might have to like take a while before you can get back up to a higher level of being. Once again, I agree with you. Who is deciding that? And once again it's pointless yeah if if, if 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 let's say this generation where we are the highest best human being we possibly can be and then the next reincarnation we're a horrible person and we start at square one it's this constant going back and forth so what stops you from being a really horrible person today well i don't want to have a bad life in this future world it's, it's all it doesn't make based. sense to me
0: yeah, it's, it's, it's clearly all based on worth, works, because the Eastern version says you come back as some kind of animal, and the Western version says you come back as some kind of human being. It could be Hitler, or it could be somebody that was very helpful and beneficial in society. So even the two views don't necessarily even coincide with each other. But yeah, at the end of the day, what you're hoping to have happen is you keep getting all these rebirths and you want to get to a place of nirvana where you just cease to exist. I mean, yeah, that's really something to look forward to, isn't it?
2: Exactly. And on on a practical level, right, you could say, well, look, isn't it a good idea? Well, now we have an incentive to do good. You know, now we have an incentive to be a good person because we don't want to reincarnate in a bad way. But guess what? Unfortunately... It's not relativism, right? We have objective truth. So sure. what is what does a society look like who adheres to something like that? Well, India, caste system, where because you were born to this family and this thing, you're, you're slaves. Because you're born in this family, in this area, you can only do this. Yeah. That doesn't sound like this free-loving thing that a society now tells us we're all supposed to aspire to. It's actually yes. very limiting because now you're... Everything bad that happened to you in this life can be attributed to this past life. You have no idea. There's no responsibility for what you're doing. Well, I'm just having a bad day because what I did last week or what I did when I was uh, Cleopatra's uh, sister. Or You know, it's it's Uh nonsensical, right? Once again, take it from this realm of relative wonderfulness and put it practically and it's 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 hell on earth.
0: Yeah, because what is the first life even paying for? (laughs) (laughs) I mean you could I mean there's just so many questions that just can't be answered because it's a false system. Let me ask you about another one. What about universalism. You've heard of the cartoon all dogs go to heaven. Well this one is kind of all people go to heaven. Does that make any sense.
2: Uh, I mean it kind of makes heaven sound less appealing to me you know
0: right anybody can go there i mean you can be a serial killer serial rapist and hey it just doesn't matter what you do you know god is so kind and loving everybody goes to heaven
2: there's one problem with that there
0: are a lot of problems but give me the one you're thinking about
2: (laughs) then god isn't just god is not a good god god is letting sin run rampant and the thing that he claims he hates every day he's okay with it yeah yeah
0: and just to swing back very quickly to the first one, if reincarnation was true, then what Hebrews tells us is appointed for men once to die and then face the judgment wouldn't be true. But the fact that we have a conscience we know from right from wrong and that God is a judge and he's a just judge, as you just mentioned, I mean, we have the reality. That God is who he says he is, he has a character, he has attributes, and we can't go and decide what attributes and characteristics he has, and how he's delving out justice and injustice.
2: Yeah, and like you said, you know, they, these are works-based, scale-tipping, and it's 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 hilarious because then there has to be a judge, yes. there has to be someone keeping a tally. If, if you have 5,000 lives, someone has to be keeping track of which live and how you earn and what the next one will be. And so they've already given up the ghost by saying there has to be a creator, there has to be some governing thing that's deciding the universe. And I would say, hey, if we wanted to stack it up against Christianity where we had a God that has prescribed rules that make sense, that actually adhere to his attributes, the Christian God, the real God, really works. If Now this, now we left it up to this force, this Im- and you don't know what's right for wrong. You really don't know. It's kind of like, well, did I live a good life or not? You don't know. Now you know for a fact that we're all sinners before yeah. a holy God. Good
0: ba- I mean, good based on what? So, Glenn, have you heard of soul sleep?
2: I have, but I, I, I still don't understand it.
0: Yeah, so, so soul sleep basically teaches that when believers die, and I believe that even unbelievers, they go into a state of unconscious existence and the next thing as far as believers will be when Christ returns and raises the eternal life and eventually when people are judged and they will end up in hell.
2: Yeah, that sounds that's kind of what I've heard about it, still don't understand it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it absolutely makes no sense and I understand that sometimes the Bible uses the word sleep to speak of death. If you recall when Christ said that Jairus' daughter was asleep, then the disciples at one time believed that she was just, you know, taking a long nap. But Jesus then plainly told them, no, she's dead. So, I mean, he really just said, hey, sleeping uh, is the same look as if someone died. It's got the same look. But in reality, just because Jesus said, well, someone sleeps and it really connects with death, that doesn't mean that someone has soul sleep going on as a reality in their life.
2: Now, now OK, one of the reasons why I said I still don't understand it is I I understand how someone untrained, yes. unstudied in the word of God could make that understanding. Think about it. The Lazarus was in the grave for four days. Well, where was he? The right. girl was asleep. Where was she? And yes, I I think that there there is a case to be made that at least in the time of Christ, when he was there, he 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 suspended things a little bit. But right. everywhere else in the Bible is very consistent that to be at to be on earth is to be away from the Lord, and to be dead is to be with the Lord. That it's just, it's an, it is this immediate transition either to hell or to heaven. And I think the way to make sense of it, like you said, was if we only focus on believers, then there's a kind of oh may, maybe, but to, I do not believe the Bible in any way makes, gives even the, the vague impression that an unbeliever, an unregen, unregenerate, unrepentant sinner has a soul sleep time of rested waiting. It's immediately to hell. Um, I think a good uh, way to look at it is Revelations chapter twenty verses thirteen through fourteen. I'm not going to read it. You guys can read it on your own. But basically, it's talking about how the sea gave up the dead, and the dead, and the dead, the people that were dead and are in hell were, 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 were um, cast into the lake of fire. So now, why would you have hell right there? If only on the last day do we go there and then it's cast in the lake of fire. No, it's something that's continually been going on. Hell was created for the angels. Men are currently in hell. And on the last day, they're then cast into the lake of fire. It makes sense that way. But I think you can be confused if you only focus on believers because it sounds like, well, it's a really nice state to be in. But what happens to the people who have committed sins, the people who are... Um, condemned to a life of eternity. I don't think God is going to give it this grace period. Right.
0: And then we also have, and this kind of goes along with soul sleep, is annihilationism. So the doctrine that says unbelievers, either immediately or upon death, or else after suffering for a period of time, will simply cease to exist, and God will annihilate their soul, and they just simply will no longer be. It's almost a little bit like um, what we spoke about earlier with Uh, reincarnation and karma. You come to a place that you cease to exist. And this seems to provide comfort in contrast with eternal blessings of the righteous with the eternal punishment of the wicked spoken about in Matthew 25, 46, that speaks about the punishment extended to the wicked day and night forever. And so it seems like God is so kind; He's not going to let you suffer in hell forever. He'll
2: just annihilate your soul. Now, now, what's interesting is, to the non-Christian perspective, Nirvana is being essentially annihilated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, so, and so, so for the the for the the so-called Christian Christian thinkers, uh, that's somehow punishment. And for the unbeliever, that's somehow this benefit they get that after thousands of years of going on this treadmill of a uh, bad to good karma, they get annihilated.
0: That's a good catch. So you're seeing that the false view kind of overlaps with one another. One thinks it's yeah. a good thing. One thinks it's a bad thing. Right. So, right. I, mean, um, I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. And, and what about all these groups that talk about kind of the chosen ones now? we're both reformed believers we believe in election we believe that god chooses but many people believe that that god's elect is based on ethnic makeup such right, as right. the jews are the chosen ones yeah. and there's a group out there called the black hebrew israelites uh or at least they call themselves that and they believe right. that there are 12 tribes and they have all kinds of bootleg uh definitions for who those 12 tribes are and so the Puerto Ricans are Ephraim, and it says Negroes are black people, and so on and so forth. And so uh, is God choosing oh, people oh, based uh, Phil, on ethnicity?
2: Phil, Phil I got to stop you there. Uh, just got to mention there's no white people in this uh, train. Okay. Oh, that's true. <laughs> and so everybody's going except for white people.
0: That's right. That's right. <laughs>
2: like You know, and once again, it goes hand in hand with this soul sleep thing because there might be a period of time, uh, might be a period of time where you're kind of running around but because of your ethnicity or your color or whatever you're you're automatically in now where in the bible is that thought destroyed <laughs>
0: It's destroyed all over. It's destroyed in Christ. It's destroyed at the cross. And certainly we see that the wall of separation between Jew and Gentile has been torn down. We see that the curtain in the temple has been torn into, that all of God's people can enter in. And I love, oh, do I love what it says in Revelation. I believe it's chapter 7 and verse 9. Every nation, tongue, and tribe will be seated around the throne, worshiping the Lamb of God together. Every nation, tongue, and tribe so that includes every every. (laughs) so that's not every person but there'll be all the ethnicities of the world someone will be there from the ethnicities of the world and so it includes the i guess white people that the black hebrew israelites or other groups whoever they exclude certain people exclude black people other people exclude white people i guess somebody's got to exclude the hispanics
2: i mean somebody's so, when you mention the white people, I think some people turn off the podcast. So let's I be guess. careful. With <laughs> now, 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 one other thing, and I think that's a great point. Um, but another thing that I was thinking about, on top of that, yeah. is John the Baptist. He says, "He says, Who has warned you of the wrath to come? Yeah. God can make even stone right.' Because they, the Jews had this idea. That well, I'm a, I'm a son of Abraham or a daughter of Abraham, and I'm automatically in. And he says, No, no, God can make stone. He it's, it doesn't work like that. If God wants to take some stones and turn them into people, and make, he he doesn't need us for that. And I think that's the hubris of the of the chosen one analogy is that somehow God needs us, and he just has to make do with whoever's there. Yeah. This is the same God that flooded the earth. The same and saved one. only eight people.
0: Yeah. And we're we're even called living stones, uh, and Christ is called the chief cornerstone. And so, uh, he's called. He's got all these stones, all these people from all these different ethnic backgrounds. And what does the Great Commission tell us? Go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations of the earth. But the word nations is the word ethnos, which is ethnicity of the earth. Correct. So if we can't if we can't go out and reach all the ethnicities of the world, then why would he command us to go out and do that?
2: Uh, it, 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 it defies logic. But I think one of the ones that kind of hits all of these different things is the Jehovah Witnesses, right? Woo. It's 144,000 because I think they go into Revelation and they see the 12 times the 12,000, right? Right. Like 144,000. And what's always puzzled me, once again, we're not here to make fun. We're, I'm just trying to go from a logical, let's see, how does it fit? So that means that every that 144,000 have already been chosen. And so everyone who now joins the Jehovah Witnesses is not a part of the 144,000. So it's work-based, workspace. You got to keep doing all these things to maintain it. And at the end of it, you have annihilation or you get to stay on the earth and clean it up. Now, I'm not well versed in Jehovah's Witnesses lore, but that's kind of what I've
0: Let me let me let, let me cut you off cuz I love this. <laughs> Following that passage where they get the 144,000, listen to what it says. That yeah. I guess they just don't continue to read. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white. Robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, "Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the." So, so wait, when you
2: wait. say when you say can't be numbered, you mean like we just <laughs> yeah. you're not gonna sit there and count to 144,000? Says,
0: 000? I mean, it's right there. So they say they got the number, and they actually have this view that there are 144 anointed ones. And so, a little tongue in cheek, I got invited to actually go down to the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society when it was in Brooklyn. Then it became too expensive and they moved up to New York. Now they got the problems that of us in the city. But, right. um, you know, I mean, I told the Jehovah's Witnesses that, uh, you know, when they have Passover and they take the Passover meal, whatever they exactly do, that only the anointed ones could partake of that. And I said, oh, well, I could partake of that. And he said, why? <laughs> I said, I'm one of the anointed ones because all those in Christ are anointed of God. Right. So... Um, but it's so sad because they believe that the anointed ones get the gold medal of heaven as their reward, and the rest get second place, and the meek shall inherit the earth. So everybody gets the earth, but 144,000, they get heaven.
2: Wait, wait, but we're we're a part of that, right? <laughs> Which part? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be involved. This, this does not seem very inclusive, right? Isn't uh, no. that, is that what generation today is inclusive and relevant and... It's right, inclusive.
0: It's very intolerant on top of all of that. But yeah, I mean, it is just a farce. But, uh, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, they put periods where there should be commas, so to speak, and there's just all kinds of problems uh, with them uh, theologically. And so when I went to the the uh, Watch Hour Bible Track Society uh, headquarters, uh, I mean, they just couldn't answer any questions that we asked. Uh, so for three hours, they were dumbfounded. They could not answer questions, nor define the gospel, and nor back up any of the claims that they actually made. So very, very sad. But this is something that I came out of, um, not the Jehovah's Witnesses, but Roman Catholicists, and they have a belief concerning the afterlife on purgatory. Now, Glenn, did you have a uh, Roman Catholic background at all? or
2: No. Uh, I mean, uh, in Jamaica, we, we technically we're Anglican. A lot of us were Anglican, and that's where my mother came out of. And right. so that's, you know, the Church of England that's exported to all the colonies. Uh, but no, I, I never really got involved in Roman Catholicism at all. So it's just something I'm aware of, just knowing church history and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so purgatory is a false teaching made up by Roman Catholicism. Basically uh, the purging of one's sins by living people that are praying for them or somehow making amends for what someone who was living at one time did wrong. And now they died and now they get 500 years or a thousand years in purgatory and someone else has to like get them out of there. And the major problem with that is it makes a mockery of the full payment of Christ on the cross. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's like, and it's also like a fake soul sleep. It's a soul sleep. It's like the argument we made about soul sleep, not being, correct because there's no punishment they're like well there's a little bit of punishment
0: right I it's case. amazing they're kind of all overlapping somehow aren't yeah. they
2: yeah, it's, because it, once again they're touching different parts of the elephant and it's the same elephant
0: yeah. it's <laughs> this is the real elephant in the room and it's it's almost glenn like all of these lies came from the same source
2: yeah 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 <laughs> the father of lies
0: The father of lies and so just give you a quick historical background concerning this the uh roman catholics believed in something called the treasury of merit and so all of your good deeds kind of go into this imaginary invisible treasure chest if you will
2: like like a karma machine
0: (laughs) yeah like a karma machine exactly but picture like a pirate chest filled with gold but instead of gold there was merit like good deeds are poured into there right and so People like Mary or Joseph, you know, like they, they had tons of merit, So, boom, they, they kind of go directly to heaven. They get a free pass. And, of course, Christ directly to heaven. But like Schmoes, like you and I, you know, we, we just, you know, we have a couple of shekels in there. And so uh, we need ours filled up. Right. And so we get them filled up. After we die, by people praying for us, praying to different saints, and then, I don't know, I guess God has thrown shekels in there. And then when that finally gets all filled up, then boom, we go from purgatory to heaven. But there's still a purging that's going on. And once again, it just makes a mockery because Christ said on the cross, it is finished. And the Greek word telestai means paid in full. So if our salvation is paid in full— where is this treasury of merit? And Glenn, guess get this. Guess who controls the Treasury of Merit? Guess which religious group is in charge of the box?
2: it's, it's a tough one. Is it Roman Catholics?
0: Absolutely. Okay. okay. You win the prize. Man. That was
2: tough. That was tough. I
0: owe, I owe you a beef patty.
2: So so, so let me get <laughs> so let me get this straight now. All right. Yes. So from the secular to the somewhat the so-called sacred, right. there's basically two ways to get in there. Either you're yes. born. And you just got won the lottery, so to speak, right? Karma lottery, spiritual life, yeah, lottery into the this ethnic group or this section or this area, right? Or you work your way in, and and I think you could throw the the Muslims in there as well, right? And all these different hundred kind of percent. it's just all yes. So, so so these are the two things. So you either on a treadmill. To make up for the fact that you weren't born in the right place, or you're you're on an escalator that's just bringing you, and there's nothing you can do. You're just being dragged, kicking and screaming to this wonderful place of annihilation, right? Yeah. Just yeah. think about think about how Stop egocentric. And about. <laughs> Stop and back. think about how egocentric that whole this this all these views are. It's yes. man centered. How can a being that Lives and dies, has no control over anything around him, be the center of everything. Yeah,
0: yeah. Because the issue is not really what you believe about eternal life, because believing doesn't make something true. It just makes it something you believe. We have to have our belief aligned with that which is true, because it doesn't work on a math test. It doesn't work in so many areas of life. It doesn't work when you're speeding down the highway. I mean, there is truth in the world, and you just don't get to decide what that is and i know that that is what our world is preaching but last i checked god is true and every man is a liar. liar we dealt with some of the secular views or some of the religious views uh and again there's there's so many other views out there there's so-called the Mormons, the muslims views. yeah so-called thank you um but again at the end of the day all of those are works-based people are trying to pay god to earn heaven and simply can't be this is why the reformers went against all of that nonsense in during the times of luther right but the book of hebrews connects death with the consequence of judgment in close sequence now glenn can you read hebrews 9 27
2: just as it is appointed for men to die once and after that comes the judgment
0: right so moreover scripture never represents the final judgment as depending on anything done after we die but only on what has happened in this life. And we see that in a ton of verses, Matthew 25, 31 to 46, Romans chapter two, verse five through 10, second Corinthians chapter five, verse 10. And going, so,
2: keep going. You keep yeah, calling. you could just keep,
0: keep it going. So Glenn, we touched on Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27, which reads, and just, as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. So, I mean, that just completely annihilates soul sleep and so many other of the false views that we read because it says it is appointed. Who appoints men to die?
2: Well, it's definitely not karma.
0: It's definitely not karma.
2: I think it's, right? it's God the Father.
0: Absolutely. And so the soul that sins, it shall die. So the reality that we die Shows that we're all sinners,
2: right? Right, and and I think in the next podcast we're going to elaborate more on it. But this this death is not something that just happened, right? Uh, right, it, it's a it's a consequence of sin, and it was appointed by God. And so, as man tries to figure out all these um, complicated, um, you know, sophisticated reasonings about why we die, it's a very simple reason why we die: because we sin. Yes, because. That is the punishment for the first sin that was going to die our forefathers. we're
0: ba- we're back in the garden again. How does that happen all the time Glenn?
2: i haven't left. I never left.
0: <laughs> you always bring us back to the garden it's almost like the garden has everything to do with everything that we speak about in this life
2: right i, and- I forgot I forgot what rule it is that you know removing all other you know fantastical reasons the simplest reason is usually the right one right we 're trying to make sense of death when it- it is simply a consequence of sin it it is it is it, it it is the flaw in the whole system it's not this uh complex system of lives and deaths and, and karma and annihilation it is that we are eternal beings that god has made us to continue either in one path or the other and death is this 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 artificial thing that's been placed in it because of our sin
0: yes and notice it says that we're appointed that God has appointed for man once to die. So right, there's not right. you're not dying over and over and coming back. There's there's one Correct. death, and after that, not after you sleep, mm-hmm. not if your soul sleeps, after that comes judgment.
2: Right, right, right. And so and even even if you go, I'm sorry to cut you brother. Even if you go to, to Ecclesiastes chapter three, right, verse three, right. There's a time to kill and a time to heal right or or verse two i should say a time to be born and a time to die once again the the, the idea is god is the one who sets that time and it's once it's not multiple 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 times
0: absolutely and then when it says after this comes judgment well if you have judgment you have to have standards right and you have to have someone actually doing the judging and it's not luke may the force be with you who's doing the judgment it's god himself because god has given us a rule book We've all broken his commandments. We're sinners by nature and sinners by choice. Sin runs through our very being. And I like what Vodi Bakum says. Even children, he calls them vipers and diapers.
2: I I agree with that. (laughs) And, 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 And like I said, once again, you know, alluding to another podcast, it would require someone that's sovereign or a being that's sovereign, right? Not a force, not a, well, I hope karma got it right, but a sovereign being who is in complete control of the universe. Today.
0: Right. And Matthew 25 says he's going to separate his sheep from his goats because he's not confused. Even though I believe that when they're growing up, sheep and goats may look very similar. And then eventually sheep flock together and goats kind of go off and they're more independent. Uh, Christ sees who belongs to him and who doesn't. And he will bring right. down the sword of separation upon the two. He'll separate his sheep from his goats. And, and, and he's that, and not that, going to have any confusion in his judgment
2: and and that eliminates this whole ethnicity thing because hey you know oh we're all this color we're all this he's not looking at that he's looking at the 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 elect the ones that he has chosen himself he's not confused in any way and like i said man wants to have some part in he wants to do something even if it's just to be born and maintained he wants to have some part of it and and once again that does not jive with the sovereign god that we know
0: Yeah, Glenn, you're 100% right upon that. And so as we look at these various verses, even as we look at Psalm chapter 1, we see a blessed life, we see a cursed life. I mean, there's just no in-between. They ended up either in heaven or hell. They either ended up in destruction or with the righteous. There's no in-between with God. Right, and
2: and, and the relationship, especially in Psalms 1, is what is your relationship to God? So in all of these theories, and all of these opinions, and, and, we, and we kind of took a lot of um, different g- things and kind of smushed it together to try to simplify it, but they, but they all are hiding from this relationship with God. They're right. ignoring that relationship with God. But God says, hey, what makes your life blessed and what makes your life cursed? What determines whether you go to the, to, 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 to the place of torment or to the, the place of heaven is your relationship with him
0: Absolutely. And when you read Psalm 1, it, I mean, it cuts right down the middle. It's the way the righteous in verses 1 through 3 and the way the unrighteous in verses 4 through 6. And so, I mean, it's very clear. And I love the, the picture that's painted there. The righteous are like a tree planted by streams of water. And so it's just as natural for a baby to drink from the mother's breast as it is for a tree to get the sustenance through the root system and the water and suck it all up and be fruitful. That tree you can't just kick it over. I mean, it's, it's fruitful and it's going to be fruitful always. And God sees those that are like that. And then the damned were like those that were like chaff. And so like when they threw the, uh, the wheat up in the air, the chaff would fall to the ground because it was worthless. And some people are going to be like that chaff. The wind will blow them into hell. The summary of Psalm 1 says, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There's no ambiguity there, is there, Glenn? Right.
2: no. In these beliefs, the wicked either don't get punished, or it's not a big deal, or it's temporary. And it's like they're hiding from it. Why? Because they know they're guilty. Right. And so they're trying to create this afterlife where, you know, it's very forgiving. It's very forgiving. And I think, once again, the most obvious answer is true. If you hurt children, if you are a wicked person in life, not to say that's the only sin that matters, but from a conscious level, if we can see and say, hey, what that person did was wrong. We have been built into our spirit to say, hey, this is deserves punishment. And these other beliefs are saying, eh, not really, because it depends on how he feels and it depends on whether he was born into a certain society or a certain ethnic group. So think about that, right? Without, 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 from, even from, a, 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 from that perspective, it doesn't make sense because there's no punishment. There's no reason to do good. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no fear of God in this process, and, right. and 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 even a child can say, hey, so basically I can play and eat my toys, and the consequence of my actions are, are, maybe three, four, five lifetimes from now. No, there's no reason not to be a bully or whatever you know we consider to be bad at this time, right. but the but the biblical view. As a very specific list, a very specific understanding of what sin is, what is wrong, and the consequence of that. You can't raise your children with, with well, if you do this, maybe one day when you're 85, you're going to be unhappy. That's, that's not the way to raise your child. You show them the consequence of the actions right away. So they see that for every action is a result.
0: So we looked at a, many unbiblical views of what happens when people die. And we touch on some scripture that kind of refutes those views. And there are many more. There are a ton more. But one of the things that we have to realize is that all people will die. And we don't want to be wrong about the answer to this question concerning what happens when I die. Is that something that you personally grapple with? Is that something that people you know and care about grapple with? And if you're a believer, you have the answer And it behooves you, out of the love you have for Christ, to share the truth of the gospel with them. Even share this podcast with them. They might be very intrigued, and it might pique their interest, and want to get them to keep listening, because we are going to be doing a part two to this segment. And just to give you a quick update, we are going to be very soon updating our soul fishing ministries website we have a great guy named luke who's designing it for us and i'm really looking forward to it we'll be unrolling that most likely in this month of february so you can go and visit soulfishingministries.org at that time
1: well once again thank you for taking this time to stop and think about it if you would like to contact us please email us at stop and at gmail.com You can also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener supported by generous people like you. You can give a tax-deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishingministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It.